Son, and Holy Spirit. You are our creator, and we've come to worship you, and you are our savior. And we love you because you first loved us. We confess our sins to you, those things we did and said and thought we ought not to have and the things we've left undone. Lord, we thank you that you are gracious and forgiving. We thank you for giving us your spirit. We thank you we have a place to meet. We thank you for seeing the children last week having the time of their lives learning about you together. Thank you. Lord, we are a needy people, and so we bring our needs to you. You know our needs, financial needs and health needs and relational needs. Lord, meet our needs. Lord, as we open your word together, um, Holy Spirit, help us to see Jesus. We pray that you would win the lost and, and build believers and equip workers and multiply disciple makers, Lord. Lord, we need you. We pray for revival. Will you not yourself revive us again and that your people may rejoice in you? Lord, our, need, our nation needs a spiritual awakening, and we pray that a revival in your church would overflow into a great spiritual awakening in our land. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's great to be here. I really appreciate Dave last week. Dave uh, spoke about the sacredness of human life and very timely message. Um, two weeks ago, we finished Colossians. Uh, we had spent the first seven months of this year looking at gazing at Jesus together, and I really wanted to land the plane. And it seemed like a really good idea till I got up here. Uh, I had pneumonia, and I realized it's really hard to talk when you have pneumonia. And uh, somehow God got us through that. But I really wanted to land the plane because for seven months together, we've been gathering together and gazing at Jesus together. Just this week, I'm meeting with some folks I'm discipling, and this one guy says, you know what? I could have gazed at Jesus for a long time and never saw what we saw together. And it's so true. One of the important things we want to learn to do is to gaze at Jesus individually, but but something special happens when we gaze at him together. So we finished Colossians, and what we learned in seven months is there is no one like Jesus. There is no one like Jesus, and we're going to continue that now because we're going to move to another book in the Bible called Malachi. And what we're going to do for the next few months is gaze at Jesus together. So if, if you're new... And you'd like to know what Jesus is like, come and see him and come and see him. Because the message of Malachi is the same message as the message of Colossians because the Bible is one story. It's one story. It's it's all about Jesus. It's all about the gospel, about Jesus who seeks and saves the lost. And uh, what we're going to learn today, the, the point of today's message is going to be that Jesus loves us first. It's going to be pretty simple. Will you say that with me? that Jesus loves us first. So if you have your Bible, turn to the very end of the Older Testament. I like to call it the Older Testament. You know why it's the Older? It's not old. It's just older. And the New Testament is like not new, it's just newer. So the last book in the Older Testament, Malachi 1 Verse 1, the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. The message that God has for us through his word. Now, I want you to notice a little background information. The author of the book is Malachi. 
Now, I know some of us have Italian friends, and they're convinced his name is Malachi. But actually, it's a Hebrew name, and what Malachi means is my messenger, my messenger. So the author of the book is Malachi. We see in verse 1 who the recipients are. He's giving this message to Israel, to the nation of Israel. The date, the date, it's about 450 B.C. So it's about 450 years before Jesus came. And um, Malachi would have been a contemporary to Ezra. And Ezra was the one who spoke God's word. A contemporary to, uh, to Haggai, the book of Haggai, who rebuilt the temple. They would have been about the same time of Nehemiah, who rebuilt the wall and was the governor. They would have all been contemporaries about that time. And, um, and Malachi would be one of the last Old Testament prophets. So after Malachi, for the next 400 years, there would not be a word until John came and then Jesus came. So it's about 450 B.C., and the occasion... The occasion is Israel had come back from her captivity in Babylon about a hundred years before. And during this hundred years, their hearts had grown cold toward God. Doesn't that sound a lot like our country, country that our hearts have grown cold toward God? And, and, and the people doubted that God loved them because they had been back for a hundred years and the Messiah hadn't come. And uh, so, so they began to doubt God's love. And their worship, they were half-hearted in their worship. Might that be true of us today, that we're half-hearted in worship? And do you know they were faithless in marriage? They were marrying people outside their faith. Divorce was very commonplace. They were faithless in marriage. And the people were robbing God. And, and so God sent Malachi with a message, with a message and, and what we're going to see is a theme in Malachi is that everyone needs Jesus. The theme of Malachi is everyone needs Jesus, especially me. A little bit more background to, get, to help you set up. This book is, um, has six arguments. It's, it's around, built around an outline. It's kind of built around six arguments. Um, and, and this is arguments not like a husband and wife fighting, Okay. It's an argument much more like a lawyer. It's much more like a legal argument. What's going to happen is there's six arguments. Six times God is going to make a statement. He'll make a statement. I'll show you one in just a minute. And then once he makes a statement, the people object. They provide their objection. And then God presents his case. He, prevents, he presents the evidence. So let me show you the first, the first argument. Verse 2. I have loved you. There's the statement, says the Lord, I have loved you. Now, in this book, he's going to say a lot of things that they had wrong. But the first thing that he states before anything else, he says, I have loved you. Isn't that great? You see, Jesus loves us first. Now, the people object. But you say, how have you loved us? They say, hey, how have you loved us? We've been back for a hundred years. They were expecting the Messiah to come and to free them from their oppressors. They've been back. Things weren't as wonderful as they imagined. And so they said, how have you loved us? You ever feel that way? That, man, why is life so hard? Why is marriage so hard? Why is ministry so hard? Why is it, well, God, have you really loved us? And then 
God presents his case. Um, Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord, yet I have loved Jacob. He says, listen, I chose Jacob. How do you know I love you? Because I chose you. You are my chosen people. Out of all the people on the earth, I have chosen to love you. I have loved Jacob, but I have hated Esau. And I have made his mountains a desolation and appointed his inheritance for the jackals of the wilderness. Now listen, God is just and God is love. And God says, I have decided to extend mercy and grace to Jacob. But to Esau, I have decided to show him justice. Though Edom says we have been beaten down, but we will return and build up uh, the ruins, thus says the Lord of hosts, they may build, but I will tear down. And men will call them the wicked territory and the people toward whom the Lord is indignant forever. Your eyes will see this. Listen, open your eyes and you can see how I have loved you. Your eyes will see this and you will say, the Lord be magnified beyond the border of Israel. Listen, they said, how have you loved us? And God says, I have chosen you. Uh, What we're going to look at today is, is the doctrine of election that the Bible teaches from cover to cover. And you say, what is election? It's that Jesus loved us first. Before we loved him, he loved us. What is election? That, that long before we chose Jesus, he chose us. And why does he choose a people? He chooses a people to bless a people, to bless them, and then to make them a blessing to all nations. Uh, if you have your Bible, uh, let, let's walk through the Older Testament a little bit. Let's go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. Um, Now, there were all these people on earth, but God chose one person whose name was Abram. Genesis 12, now the Lord said to Abram. uh, Now, Abram means exalted father. At the time, he had no children, and he would change his name to Abraham, a father of a multitude. So the Lord chose Abram. The Lord sought Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. So of all the people on earth, God chooses Abraham to establish his covenant with. And a covenant is a binding promise. And what I want to show you when he says he chose them is there's a top line to his covenant and there's a bottom line. And they're both so important that we hold on to both. And the top line, he says, I will bless you. I'm going to bless you with my love and and, and I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. There's the bottom line. You shall be a blessing. So God's covenant to us is I've chosen you to bless you and to make you a blessing. They're both so important. I want to bless you and make you a blessing. Notice how he continues, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God chose Abraham and said, one of your descendants one of your descendants is going to be the Savior who's going to bring salvation to all the nations. 
So God's covenant, the reason he chose Abram, the reason he chose Abraham, he says, I will bless you, and then I'm going to work through you as my chosen people to bring the blessing of salvation to all the nations. So listen, if you're a Christian, Jesus loves us first. He chose you to bless you and to make you a blessing to all the nations. So there's Abraham. Well, then Abraham had two sons, right? He had Ishmael by Hagar, and then he had Isaac. He had Isaac by Rebekah, right? So God chose Isaac, right? Um, in Genesis 26, um, Isaac wanted to, to go to Egypt because there was a famine in the land. And God says, sojourn in the land and I will be with you and bless you. Sound familiar? There's the top line, right? He says to Isaac, I'm going to bless you. For to you and to your descendants I will give all these lands, and I will establish the, establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. I will multiply your descendants and the stars of heaven and will give your descendants all these lands, and by your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Isaac, man, I'm going to bless you. And then through you, through you, through Israel, I'm going to bring the blessing of salvation to all the nations. But um, we could say, well, well, of course God chose Isaac and not Ishmael because, because Isaac was the, was the wife, uh, was the son of, of Sarah, his real wife, and Ishmael, I mean, he was the son of that uh, handmaiden uh, Hagar, right? So next comes Jacob, right? Uh, in Genesis 25, 21, listen to this verse. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. Do you know in the Old Testament, the saddest thing for a man, the saddest thing for a woman was not to be able to have a child. And we live in a time where for so many, the saddest thing is to find out that you're going to have a child. My, how things have changed. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife. Give us children. Give us children because she was barren. And the Lord answered him. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived and she conceived. But the children... Now notice, there's so much discussion today about when life begins. Listen, it's talking about the children, right, who are in Rebecca's womb, right? The children, there were children in her womb. The children struggle together within her. And she said, if it is so, why then am I this way? So she went to inquire of the Lord. So there's two kids in her, two nations in her, and they're fighting just like brothers do, Right? The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples will be separated from your body, and one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. So again, it's, it's God's choice. He chose Jacob and not Esau. Jacob would be the one he would bless. Jacob would be the one through whom the blessing of salvation would go to all the nations. Now, some people like to say about God's choice, well, well God saw who would be good. But if you know anything about Jacob, what do you know? 
There was nothing, there was nothing in Jacob that would make him worthy of God's choice. God chose him because he loved him, because he loved him, just like he chose you and me to draw us to himself. He didn't choose us because we were good. He chose us because he, he loved us. So the, the twins were born, <clears throat> and uh, you remember the story many years later that Jacob would steal his brother's uh, <clears throat> birthright and his blessing, and, and so he's headed off. He's headed off to Haran to find a wife, right? Uh, <clears throat> and in Genesis 28, he had a dream, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. You remember the story of Jacob's ladder. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. Notice he doesn't say I was. Abraham and Isaac are alive. I am the God uh, of Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. I'm going to bless you, Jacob. Your descendants also will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Jacob, I'm going to bless you, and then I'm going to make you a blessing to all the nations." That's the, that's the message, the scriptures from, from cover to cover to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. Many years later, many years later, there's Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 7. And remember Moses, he leads Israel out of Egypt, but he doesn't get to lead them into the promised land. Remember, it's, it's Joshua is going to do that. So Deuteronomy is kind of his closing words. <clears throat> The idea that Jesus loved us first. Listen to what God says in Deuteronomy 7, 6. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. Are you a Christian? You know what that means? God set you apart. You belong to him. You're a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession. He chose Israel out of all the nations of the earth to be his people a people for his own possession, out of all the peoples who were on the face of the earth. Uh, listen, the love flows from the chooser to the chosen. <laughs> There's nothing in the chosen. Listen, the Lord did not set his love on you or cho nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples, for, the, for you were the fewest of the people. But because the Lord loved you, he loved you, he chose you, he drew you to himself to bless you and make you a blessing, loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers. The Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Now that, all of that is the background. All of that sets us up for understanding Malachi chapter 1. Remember what we read, the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. This is God's word for you, Israel. I have loved you. Don't you know your history? I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? But you say, how? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob. Listen, I established my covenant with your people. I love you. The temple, the temple is in Israel. 
God dwells among his people in Israel. I've given you my word. You have my word. And I've given you this to bless you and to be a blessing to all the nations. That's verse 5. Your eyes will see this. Open your eyes. Don't you see my covenant? Don't you see my temple? Don't you see you have my word? And you will say, the Lord be magnified beyond the border. And Lord, you want us to share that with all nations. What we see in the New Older Testament, we see in the Newer. In Genesis 15, in Genesis 15, verse 16, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Well, so I, didn't I choose Jesus? Sure you did. You chose him. But long before you chose him, he chose you. Don't you hear what he said? He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And why did he choose us? To bless us. And to make us a blessing to all people. Don't you see that? You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. That you would be so blown away that I've loved you that you would go and share that love with others blessed and a blessing, and that your fruit would remain. He chose you so you wouldn't waste your life, that you'd join him in being a part of bringing salvation to all the nations, um, and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. Listen, Jesus loves us first. <laughs> yes, we love him because he first loved us. Yes, we chose him, but he first chose us. Don't we see that from cover to cover? I mean, we saw with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. How about Saul? I'm still not convinced. How about Saul? Was, was Saul? Was Saul seeking Jesus, was he? You guys there, was he? Who was seeking? Was not Jesus seeking him? In Acts chapter 9, verse 1, Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. He wanted to arrest Christians and put them to death. As he was traveling, it happened that as he was approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground. And he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? See the people around you? Do you know they are Jesus' body? And listen, the way we treat them is the way we treat Jesus. Jesus didn't say, why are you persecuting my people? He said, why are you persecuting me? What a connection. And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you were persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and I, it will be told you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him in, in, into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Isn't it interesting how it was three days, right? Three days in the darkness. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas um, for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him that he may regain his sight. But Ananias responded, Lord, 
I like the idea his eyes are blind. Uh, I'm not sure I want to open his eyes. Don't you know about this guy? That's what Ananias says. Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your servants at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Uh, Can't we leave his eyes closed? If I open them, he might kill me. Listen to this. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a, what? A chosen instrument of mine. Are you a Christian? Do you have to pinch yourself sometime that you are a chosen instrument of Jesus? He is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. If you're a Christian, Jesus has chosen you and placed you where you live and work and play, that he might bless you and that you might be a blessing, that you might make him known to those around you. He is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. It's the clear teaching of Scripture from cover to cover. How about in Philippians 1? In Philippians 1, we like verse 6, don't we? We like verse 6 in Philippians 1, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Listen, the Lord begins a work in us. He'll finish you. Aren't you glad? He didn't choose us because we're good. He's not going to unchoose us because we're not. But I think sometimes we disconnect that from what comes right before it. So let's go back up to verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Oh, when they met Jesus, not only were they blessed, but they became a blessing to others. They began to participate in proclaiming the gospel to the nations. For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Listen, if you're a Christian, Jesus has blessed you. He's blessed you, and he wants you to enjoy those blessings and be a blessing to others. Uh, Isn't that the gospel that Jesus loves us first? I mean, how how about Luke 19, verse 10? For the Son of Man, do you know that Jesus' favorite self-description? That's how he refers to himself more than anything else. And it's an Old Testament messianic term. It means he's the Messiah. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the gospel. Jesus seeks. He saves. He loves us first. You see, the bad news of the gospel is we have a problem called sin. Now, I would think if there was Anything that everyone in the world could agree on is that we have a sin problem. But people don't. Because most people imagine they're a good person in a bad world as they see it. Most people imagine they're an honest person in a dishonest world. But, but what does the Bible say in Romans 3, verse 23? Um, will you read this verse with me? For all have sinned and falls short of the glory of God... You can do better. Let's read it again. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Who does the Bible says is sin? All of us. We're not good people in a bad world. We're sinful people in a sinful world. All of us. 
Sin is a crime against God, and we've all committed crime after crime against God, a God who's just. And the Bible says what we deserve for what we've done is hell. That's the bad news. Oh, but look at the good news. We've sinned. We can't save ourselves. But the Son of Man has come to seek. We don't seek God. He seeks us. God the Son puts on flesh and comes to earth to seek and to save. He lived a perfect life for you and me. And then he went to the cross and died in our place. And he rose. And he pursues us. And he offers us eternal life. He offers to bless us with forgiveness and the chance to do life and eternity with him and to join him in being a blessing to all the nations. And what does he require of us? <laughs> that we believe in him, right? That we receive him as our Savior and Lord. Well, listen to the verse that changed my life in Revelation 3.20. Listen, Jesus seeks and saves. Notice, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's seeking us. He seeks us. Listen, your life is a mess. I want to forgive you. You're headed to hell. I want to move in so we can do life and eternity together. Let me in. Let me be your Lord and Savior. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, no matter what they've done wrong and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Oh, man. There was a day... I heard Jesus knocking on the door of my heart, and maybe that's you today. And, and you know what happened? I saw my sin, and I said, I'm in trouble, and so I admitted I was a sinner. And if you've never admitted you're a sinner, won't you? You can do that right now, or I'd be glad to assist you when we close in prayer. Lord, it's not just the world that's a sin, sinful. I am. I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. And then I believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose, won't you? And then I committed to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Jesus, come in and, and forgive me and, and give me eternal life, won't you? And I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. And he did. And do you hear what he says will happen? If you've not done that, won't you? And if you have, you see, Jesus takes the first step. I stand at the door and knock. And, and then we take the next step. We hear and invite him in. And then he moves in. I will come in to him. And we'll dine with him and he with me. And he moves in to bless us and then to make us a blessing to all the nations. Um, now, I've shared with you the doctrine of election theologically, but I'd like to give you two pictures that are pastoral pictures. What is election? Election is long before you knew Jesus, he knew you. Long before you loved him, he loved you. Long before you chose him, he chose you. Did you know that? And when Jesus came to earth, he came for you and me. When he resisted temptation, it was for you and me. When he died on the cross, it wasn't just for like nameless, faceless people. It was for you and me. It's one thing to know he died for the world. It's another to know he died for us. And he rose for us. And he arranged our whole lives. And he sent someone to share the gospel. But he also sent the Holy Spirit to raise us from the dead because we'd never get to Jesus on our own. And he opened our eyes and he drew us to ourselves. Why? Because he wanted to bless us and make us a blessing. That's election. What's election? Now, um, uh, young people, uh, there, there was a time there was a time where women were not as aggressive in pursuing men as they are today. I know it's hard for you to imagine, but that was true. And there was a marriage counselor many years ago, and he studied married couples, and he found out that almost always the wife noticed the husband first. But listen, men and women, it's not like an even match. Women are way smarter than men. So what 
he found women would do when they noticed the man they wanted to marry is they would get his attention and they would draw him to them. All the while, the husband thinks he's the pursuer when he's really the pursued. You know what election is? Jesus knew you long before you ever knew him. And he got your attention and he drew you to himself because he loved you. All the while, you thought you were the pursuer when really you were the pursued. It's so true. I still look back on the day I was invited to Young Life and I said yes. And I was kind of like, why did I say yes? And I went to cause trouble. I did. But when I went, I saw Jesus. And it was like, this is the one I've been looking for all my life. You know why? Because Jesus was drawing me to himself. <laughs> and you know, it's many, many years later. And you know why I'm still here? It's not because I'm smart. It's because the one who called me has preserved me. And I know he'll get me safely home. So, Jesus loves us first. He, he loves us to bless us and make us a blessing. So, so that leads us into our action step for today. Our action step is to enjoy and share the love of Jesus. Oh, back to our passage. Let me show you that in our passage. Uh, verse 5, your eyes will see this and you will say, the Lord be magnified beyond the border of Israel. This week, let's open our eyes to see how loved we are. And as we see how loved we are, then let's share that love with others. L let me show you how to do this. In 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30, but by his doing, you were in Christ Jesus. Uh, how do you know you're... A, you're loved by God because if you're a Christian, you didn't get there on your own, right? I mean, you're driving down the road, you see a turtle on a fence post, what do you know? What do you know what? It didn't get there on his own, right? If you're a Christian, you didn't get there on, it's by his doing you were in Christ Jesus. Then listen to this, who became to us wisdom from God. How do we enjoy his love? We enjoy his wisdom. I am so thankful to be a Christian I live in a morally confused culture, but I know where I came from, and I know why I'm here, and I know where I'm going. Don't you? Did you know that in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? Listen, there's a huge difference between intelligence. I'm not very intelligent, but there's wisdom, and I am wise because I know the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom, and we get wisdom and righteousness. Do you know that not only did Jesus die on the cross for our sins, but do you know that he lived a perfect life for us? And the moment we believe, he takes our sins and we're forgiven, but he gives us his righteousness. Do you, do you know how many Christians I talk to and, and they say, I'm not a good Christian? To which I say, are there really two kinds of Christians, good ones and bad ones? I mean, if you're a Christian, don't you understand that you're standing before God at any given moment not based on your performance, but what Jesus did? When the Father looks at you, he sees the perfect life that Jesus did. When we get Jesus, we get wisdom, we get righteousness. Ah, and sanctification. Before I met Jesus, there was no rule I didn't want to break. Before I met Jesus, there was no fence that I didn't want to climb up the top, go under the bottom, or cut through. 
But when I met Jesus, listen, he gave me the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is changing me from the inside out. The Holy Spirit gives us the desire to follow Jesus. So when he says, follow me, we want to. He gives us the power to follow Jesus. So when he says, follow me, we want to. Jesus is our sanctification and redemption. Do you know we're all going to die? And when people die, we're all forever. It's either heaven or hell. And Jesus has redeemed us from hell so that we might enjoy him every day of our lives and forever. So let's enjoy his love, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. And as we enjoy his love, let's share his love. Let's share his love. (laughs) It was earlier this week and I went to Treaty Park uh, to go for a run. That's kind of an exaggeration. It's much more of a stumble. Uh, I have like one and a half legs to begin with. I've been sick for weeks, and, and I'm about to get out. And uh, a USA student who comes here, she, she saw me, and she said, how are you? And, and I said, good, I'm, I'm just getting over pneumonia. She says, you won't believe it. We just learned in school today how to deal with pneumonia. Let me share with you what we learned. And right there in Trinity Park, right there in Treaty Park, she got out on the ground and she showed me these positions I could get in to help overcome pneumonia. And she was having the time of her life teaching me what she had just learned. So far, so good. So I'm like stumbling around and uh, she thought of something else she wanted to tell me. So (laughs) I'm imagining I'm running and I hear someone calling me from behind. She's walking and catching me. She says, smiley, smiley, I thought of something else. She opened up her phone and said, I got to show you these positions. This will really, really help you. You know what? She learned someone. She saw someone who needed it, and she shared. And I was so blessed. But you know what else happened? Of all the students in that class, she knows what she learned. You know why? Because she took what she learned, and she taught someone else. That's the Christian life. Week by week, we come and we hear that Jesus is our wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, and and, and we are to enjoy that. And then as we go out, I mean, who do you know? Who do you know who needs to hear? Won't you share? Imagine the conversations we have this week, just like she had with me when she found out that I had pneumonia. She shared with me what she had learned. Wisdom. Don't we live in a morally confused culture? Who needs to hear? You know what we learned in church this week? We learned that Jesus is our wisdom. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. (laughs) Righteousness. How many people do you know that are struggling so hard to make themselves acceptable to God? Won't you share with it? You know what we learned this week? Jesus not only died for us, he lived for us. He gives us his righteousness. Our standing before God is based on his, not ours. Sanctification. How many people do you know that are struggling in their marriage or they're struggling with the sin? Don't don't they need to hear Jesus doesn't say try harder. Jesus says we need his Holy Spirit to move in us. He, he, He changes us from the inside out. Redemption. Got a call this week from a friend. She says, smiling, 
got a friend who's dying. Uh, would you be willing to talk to him about Jesus? Would he? I, I really am concerned about his eternity. Who do you know that's got a bad report from the doctor? Who do you know that would love to hear what you have? You, you know why I like to share with people? Because Jesus is the cure for death. How do I know? Because one day a dead man got up and walked out of the tomb and said, we could too. Who do we know that really needs to hear that? Um, listen, Jesus loves us. You know why he chose us? To bless us and make us a blessing. So let's enjoy, let's enjoy his love and then share his love. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him boast, who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, how, how thankful we are that you came to seek and save the lost. Listen, if, if you're here and you hear Jesus knocking on the door of your heart, if you'd like to be blessed, if you'd like to be a blessing to others, Jesus is here. Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've received him for the first time, won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. And Jesus, for all of us who've invited you in, Lord, I pray this week that we would enjoy your love that we would enjoy wisdom and, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And then, Lord, I pray we would go and we would share wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption with others. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.